0: Okay, last Sunday for our four-week series on not being a chameleon, a Christian chameleon. Are you ready for it? Yes. We were just saying Ellen's blinding us all by turning the lights on, but we still love her, and that's kind of the springboard for today because we are closing out with one of the most important foundational things in Jesus's ministry, what Jesus did to save us and our lives as Christians, and that is the issue of love love is one of the most powerful forces i think in the universe and as as followers of christ we are to exemplify that love of christ different than love of the world right and there is definitely a difference if you want to turn with me uh we are going to be in ephesians 5 this morning and in john chapter 3 and uh then we'll bounce around a couple other places in john so Quick review over the last couple of weeks as we've been talking about not being a Christian chameleon for that, that just blends into the world As week one we started off we said, don't conform to the world's standards to look just like the world like a chameleon does, but what? Be transformed. The Bible says be transformed by the renewing of your mind as God's word, God's word sinks in there. Week two we jumped in and we realized that uh, God has chosen us individually and on purpose for a purpose to contribute and be an active part of the church to contribute to share to bless to use the gifts that he's given us for him Uh, week three last week we were talked about being ambassadors for for christ that you and i as christians are literally given the title of ambassador a very high diplomatic position to go into a foreign country and share um, the beliefs the systems the uh, uh the things of our home country and we realized in that message that our home country is not here, right this is a temporary thing we're ambassadors for Christ in a foreign country called the world the world filled with sin and that our real home is in heaven and we are here to promote and present the things of heaven to this world this week we dive in as imitators of Christ which the Bible calls us to imitate Christ right to draw more and closer to his presence to imitate him and everything he does to imitate Christ in a way that as God loved us we are to love others. That, that love of Christ that separates everything in the world, that love of Christ that changed us and called us to salvation. And the love of Christ is so radically different than the love of the world that we need to know what that is to be able to emulate it. Because I believe that in fact it was Christ's love that brought us to our knees in salvation because it was so overwhelming and amazing. Um, the writer Oscar Wilde once said this, He said, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery that mediocrity can pay to greatness. Now that's a lot of words. I've heard it put this way. Imitation is the highest form of admiration, right? When you imitate someone, that's a compliment that you look up to them so much, you want to be like them that you imitate them. That is truly a compliment, right? I mean when your children imitate you good or bad right that's a compliment that they you know the kids saying, you know I want to be like dad I want to be like mom I want to be like so-and-so that it's a compliment and when the Bible says that we are to imitate Christ well isn't that giving Jesus the highest compliment that we want to imitate Christ in our lives that not only does that honor and compliment him but it changes us into being Christians, Christ-like in our lives. So in our life as Christians, we must have love. And not the love of the world, not the worldly love, the eros love that the Bible talks about, but the agape love of Jesus Christ, that unconditional, compelling, sacrificial love that Christ gave to us. Now, if you look with me in John three sixteen, we all know this verse that greater love has no one than this. Well, actually, this is John fifteen thirteen. Greater love has no one than this that someone lay down his life for his friends. And when we look back at the biblical precept, we read that in Scripture. We think, oh, that's nice. But what is it that Christ did for you and I? He laid down his life for us. We turn in Ephesians chapter five verses one to two. And in essence, we read the commands that Christians are to be imitators of the love of Jesus. That we are to copy him, to be more like him. As we read this, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, it states this, Therefore, and then there's a command, do what? Be imitators. It's an active, present, ongoing verb. It's, it's an active verb, right, which means you're doing something. Be you, be imitators of, Christ, of God, as beloved children, and walk in what? Love, that's the seven, second time we see, first we're beloved children, then we walk in love, just as Christ also loved you. Again, God goes before us and gives us the example to follow. Says, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma so Paul calls us to imitate Christ in what way in that love that is God first loved us while we were yet sinners Christ died for us he pulled us out as we looked in verse or in week two about him pulling us out of the world and choosing us on purpose because of love because of the desire to be Back in relationship with us we are to love others in that same way and that is so easy right I mean family friends co-workers neighbors you know right now you can probably come to mind of people that you're like well I don't exactly love them in that same way but here's why when God loved us he took all the butts out didn't he he pursued us while we were still rebelling he pursued us while we were in sin he pursued us while we were enemies of God taking his name in vain blaspheming, living against him he pursued us while we were in that state of being and he took all the excuses out the problem in loving the way that Christ loved us is that we tend to get in our own way sometimes don't we you ever stumble over yourself that's kind of what happens you know you're walking along you're just kind of not paying attention and you stumble over your own feet when we go to love in God's way and we begin to look around of oh my gosh you know how they treated me you know what they said you know what they did you know what they look like you know what they smell like you know where they're from and in the world's versions these days you know what color their skin is you know that they're male they're female you know what age they are We stumble in our own ways because we create these biases and prejudices in our mind that Christ did not have so as we close out the series today on not being a Christian chameleon and just blending into our world that we are called again to stand out to be a light set out to be seen by all that we are a city on a hill that we are to be salt In this world to add to it we want to look at three key aspects of God's love that we want to internalize and apply to our life so number one is this and here's the challenge God's love is unconditional unconditional that means there's no strings attached to it there's no expectations that well I love you but you got to do this or I love you when you do this or if you do this and I don't love you if you don't John 3.16, that famous verse that if you want to read with me, if you don't, you can repeat it from memory. For God so loved the world that he what? He gave. And what did he give? His only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Now there's a lot wrapped up in that. Basically it says that the world was on the path to what? Perishing. They were going down like a ball of flame. The world was going down, but God loved the world. In essence, God loved the people, his creation and world so much that he sacrificed his only son in love to save the people in that dying world. That whoever believes in him should not perish, but come to salvation. Here's the crazy thing about salvation and God's love for us. We didn't do anything to deserve God's love. In fact, the opposite is actually true. We did everything to make God not love us in sin, right? We rebelled against him. We ran the other way. We just refused to follow him. We placed ourselves above him and our ways above him. We did nothing to deserve the love of God. And that's what makes God's love so absolutely amazing. Because in our world that we live in, love is often conditional, isn't it? Even though we say it's not, it's conditional. In Mexico, they passed a law a couple years ago, where if you get divorced within two years, you just go back to your state of mind and there's no legal battle, there's no lawyer, there's nothing involved. You've got a two-year period after you get married that if you decide, well, I thought I loved this person, but I really don't, well, you're off scot-free, you just go the other way. Divorce lawyers are in high demand right now, right? And people say, I love you, but then as time goes on, in a very short period of time, they go the other way and they're like, "Well, what was I thinking? I mean, some of us even look at each other every Sunday and ask that same question, right? God's love goes beyond that. His love is that agape love that is unconditional. Uh, One of the quotes about agape love is this agape is one of several Greek words for love When the word agape is used in the Bible it refers to a pure willful sacrificial love that intentionally desires The other person's highest good Whoa! you know who that takes out of the picture? (laughs) You know, I love kiddos prayer about help me be more sacrificial this morning because he didn't know what he was asking for because this says agape love refers to a pure, willful, sacrificial love that intentionally desires the other person's highest good. That means when we love unconditionally, we're not seeking our own, we're seeking that that other person will be built up and blessed, and we would be able to have a part in that. And we do that on purpose with pure motives God's love is intentional it's sacrificial and it's powerful isn't it it's powerful and it also seeks the others good there's a story about a young guy in college that had his girlfriend and uh, she'd given him a picture of herself and uh, he took that picture in one of the photographers and he says I want you to duplicate this picture in different sizes because I always want to have the picture of my favorite gal with me so the photographer took the picture apart it was already in a frame she put this nice frame in it so he had to take it apart and as he's removing the picture from the frame to, to duplicate it he looks at it and she had written an inscription on the back and she wrote my dearest Tom I love you with all my heart I love you more and more each day, and I will love you forever and ever. I am yours for all eternity. Love, Helen. But then he noticed there was a PS at the bottom, and here were these words. PS, if we ever break up, I want this picture back. Now, Helen was obviously using a lower, worldly form of love known as a conditional love, right? It's like, oh, I'm yours forever until we don't love each other anymore (laughs) and I want my stuff back, right? That's a very conditional love, but that's often the type of love that we're exposed to, isn't it? I mean, that's the love that we're fed and grown up in, and that's where God's love comes in so radical. You see, conditional love has strings attached, doesn't it? Expectations, addendums, revisions as we go along. Well, we gotta change it up a little bit because what I thought a year ago isn't the same thing today. It's based upon feelings, outcomes, maybe even the weather patterns. You know, if it's hot, I really don't care about you. If it's comfortable, maybe I like you. It's based on everything else and any type of disruption can mess it up, you know? It's unforgiving also, isn't it? And it's cited to the person that says, I love you so much. It's really all about them and what they can gain from this relationship. It's not about the other person, right? I mean, I think back when I was in high school and I was really cool and I was in love and this person was, you know, the one that they'll never ever be another person like this one, right? remember all those until the next one came along the next one came along and the next one came along it's like you were so in love and thought it was wonderful and then they did something that you're like I just don't like that maybe this isn't the person for me and what was the reason because what they did does not benefit me does not encourage me does not fit my picture of what. I think the relationship should be so what do we do well in good high school fashion we break up right and then we cry for 10 minutes and get over it and suddenly there's somebody else it's amazing how that conditional love works God's love on the other hand is unconditional it's sacrificial that God gave his only begotten son for us while we were still sinners and the crazy thing is this when you came to salvation Did you stop sinning completely no we continue to sin don't we but what does God's love continue to do while we're in salvation it continues to forgive it continues to minister to us and the Holy Spirit continues to fill us and to guide us and draw us into likeness of Christ God continues to lead us even though when we're distracted and looking to the right and to the left and looking at the circumstance instead of the Savior God's love continues love us and care for us and call us and perfect us and heal us and minister to us in spite of everything we do to mess it up right that's crazy that is absolutely crazy here's the question with unconditional love this agape love as we move through this this section of, of the message is this how can we specifically you and I love others without condition without addendums without revisions without provisions without disappointed expectations I mean that's what marriage is all about isn't it marriage is that place where we learn to love as we grow past the feelings of infatuation and we learn to love those, that other person for who they are, not who we demand they be. And we have to forgive, we have to work with, we have to build up. That's what the image of marriage is about. That's why Christ uses that imagery of the church as his bride, being that beautiful bride that he comes back for. Now we think of that and we love that picture. But then we go back and you read the Old Testament book of Hosea where God calls Hosea to marry a woman of ill repute, to purposely go out, find her, marry her, knowing that she will bail on him multiple times, and he is still to love her. That's the unconditional picture of God's love for us, that we realize that as the bride, is, as Christ talks about his bride being beautiful and radiant and adorned with grace, That that's what he sees. But the reality is, as his church, his bride, we are messed up, aren't we? I mean, when you really look at the churches across the world that are bickering and fighting internally, that are losing and giving up biblical theology, that are having their ears tickled, that are going down in flames, the real picture of the bride is a church that's messed up. And still needs a Savior but when Christ talks about his bride how does he speak of his bride she is beautiful she is pure she is radiant and you see where that unconditional love changes the picture it takes the reality and says I don't see the reality in fact I will die for the unreality and see her as beautiful and magnificent and lovely and pure without a single flaw or fault that's where the unconditional love of christ is so compelling and so radical and so unconventional and that's where we need to be to love others in an unconditional agape type love is we have to choose to be unconventional that's the next thing about god's love first thing about god's love is it's unconditional Second thing is, it's completely unconventional. It doesn't fit in with the norm, right? While Jesus ministered on earth, those 33 some years before he gave his life and overcame death and went to prepare a place for us, he extended mercy, compassion, and loved those who he came in contact with. Jesus loved those in whom most of the culture at the time deemed unlovable unclean and completely undeserving. The woman at the well. We've talked about her multiple times in this series. Jesus loved her. What about Zacchaeus, the tax collector? You know, a tax collector at that time was a sellout, a betrayer of his own people. And Jesus loved Zacchaeus. What about the woman with the flow of blood that touched him without permission? He loved her. What about the invalid at the pool of Bethsaida? The thief that was hanging on the cross next to him that deserved the punishment that he was receiving what about the love that Jesus had for the Jews and religious leaders that stood at the base of the cross and crucified him what he said father forgive them because they don't know what they're doing you see how unconventional Christ's love was it had compassion It had mercy and all these stories of Jesus's unconventional love for these people go against culture they go completely against the norms of the time because Jesus's love was unconventional and unconditional and he was always willing to step outside of social social cultural norms to reach someone for salvation because he saw in them who he created them to be who they could be salvation in him not who they were and that's the challenge for us when we trip up over ourselves don't we how often do you just look at someone and boom make a comment about them because you judge them without even knowing a single thing about them I think I have a PhD in that actually something I'm trying to overcome and get rid of that degree because I'm very good at just looking at someone and saying oh oh yeah well that's that kind of person and that's not unconditional i mean before i even know the person i am judging them and that's where god's love is so radical and unconventional that when he looks at a person just as he looks at his bride he sees who he created them to be not who they are right now and i firmly believe this from the gospel in the bible that when god looked upon this world of sin and he sent his only begotten son to us that when he looked he didn't see rebellious sinners that were running away from him he saw who we could be in relationship and salvation with him and that's why he sought to bring salvation to us that's why he sought to save us There's an old song from the nineties by seal, uh, it's called crazy. And one of the lines in that song says this, we're never going to survive unless we get a little crazy. Now that's a very worldly thing, right? But the fact is, as Christians to be unconventional, you gotta be a little crazy, right? If we're going to be unconventional for Christ. Well, again, what's that mean? You're going to stand out, right? There may be a YouTube video about you on there somewhere, right? you're going to stand out and so we got to be a little crazy with the love of god in the way that we stand out don't you think that jesus looked a little crazy when he spoke with the woman at the well i mean to the religious leaders but also to the apostles the disciples that were following him because they were steeped in the culture of them time of their time don't you think they looked at jesus when they realized what was going on i said what the heck is he doing this is nuts this is not acceptable jesus got a little crazy jesus got a little unconventional for the sake of salvation of bringing another person to christ and that's where we need to be unconditional and unconventional you know Because when we really have that kind of love, it's unforgettable. It's compelling, it's jaw-dropping, isn't it? That's what brought us to salvation. And here's where we come as we close up today is this, the third thing about the love, the agape love of God, is God's love is unbelievable. Unbelievable. It's unbelievable what the love of God can do in a person's life. I mean just stop and ask yourself how has God changed you? Where has God brought you from to where you are today? And where does God have you plan to go? The Bible says he's preparing a place for you, so he definitely has a plan for you, right? And we know that you can't be in heaven in God's presence if we have sin. So God has a plan for us. Completely forgiven, completely pure. The Bible says, white as snow, filled with His Spirit and His love in His presence. That's where God is taking us. Think about where your life would be right now if you didn't have salvation. It's kind of hard to do, isn't it? But I know for myself and my family's history, mine, would be messed up right it would be messed up now i would think i would be doing everything right and i would be thinking well this is how the world works but i would be in a downward spiral spiral to doom and gloom and living in my own little idolatry of myself you see in god's unbelievable love there is redemption. There is reconciliation, and there is renewal. And in this redemption, reconciliation, and renewal, it is otherworldly. And what do I mean by that? It's from heaven. It's not from this earth because this earth cannot produce it. And you and I cannot give or be what we don't have and who we are not. Right? You just can't do it. You can fake it for a little while, but it catches up with you, right? You cannot be who you are not. You cannot give what you don't have. And so the unconditional love that God gives us is otherworldly. Just as we are ambassadors for Christ, we are in this world, but we are not of this world. That love of God does not stem and it is not birthed from this world because this world and sin and rebellion cannot produce that kind of love. It's heavenly love, it's the love of God that changes us. You know, in this state and dealing with other religions, that's why the love of God is so unbelievable and so attractive. Because if you have lived and been brought up in a religion where you have to work to earn your salvation, and if you mess up, you fall down the rungs of the ladder and you gotta start over, and you gotta do ceremonies and you gotta do cleansings and you gotta do all these things to earn God's love. And if you mess up just once, well, the whole thing's blown and you gotta start over. When you hear that there is a God that loves you, holds no sin against you doesn't make you start over but creates you to be a new creation he does the work for you and he loves you in spite of yourself that's unbelievable isn't it I mean even Christians struggle with that with God's unbelievable love that they think they have to keep doing things to earn God's love God loves us unconditionally we've already got God's love but sometimes we get in our own mind and we trip over ourselves again because it's so unbelievable that we think we have to do more, right? We have to read more, study more, be more in church, give more. When God says, I just want you to be like, I'm you know, creating you to be. I want you to hear my voice. I want you to follow and obey. And I want you to be in my presence. And it's simple. We are the ones that make it so hard because when we look at god's love it is truly unbelievable isn't it it is true unbelievable grace is life-changing grace the acronym god's riches at christ's expense grace is life-changing back to john 15 13 we read this once again greater love has no one than this that someone laid down his life for his friends the question for us is not can we die for christ the question for us is can we live for christ we dig deep into that deeper as we think about those people that we just don't care for sometimes we're posed with the question, how can we love them unconditionally? How can we love them with the love of Christ? How can we be an ambassador to them and represent this otherworldly kingdom of heaven and God's unconditional redemptive love, which is something they just find unbelievable? Turn to John 13, verse 35. This is our last verse for the day. Here is the standard the mark the 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 reality of being Christian of belonging to Jesus Christ it's love. John 13:35 says this, by this everyone and you good Greek scholars here at Wasatch Christian Church when that word says everyone who does it mean everyone? Everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you what if you have love if you love one another you see God says here's the neon sign that if you belong to me everyone the whole world will know that you belong to me why because you love and you love in the way that Jesus loved because that kind of love is unconventional and it makes you and I stand out You see if you and i truly love jesus we will stand out right the bible says we'll be long suffering we'll be patient we'll be persevering we'll continue to pray for our enemies i mean who does that well other religions pray for their enemies yeah they pray they go down in flames right but god's love says you pray for your enemies that they may come to salvation just as i brought salvation to you while you were yet my enemy That's the unconditional love of God. So here's where we wrap up, kids. Whatever God's laying on your heart this morning, commit to it. Make that conscious decision to commit to it. And commit to not being a Christian chameleon, to just blending in with everyone around you. Stand out rather than fit in. Be transformed. Don't conform remember that you have been chosen by god himself for a purpose and for a reason to be active remember who you are and who you belong to and whose nation you represent while you're here and love others as if they were to die for love others as if they were to die for let's pray Lord Jesus, we are reminded of your amazing, unconventional, unconditional, redemptive love for us. Lord, that's what first made us yearn for you that we could not believe how much someone could love us in spite of our rebellion and sin. That it was your love that changed our hearts and broke through the rock hardness of them, through the callousness. To make us humble Lord we pray that as we go forth in ministry as ambassadors for you that we would share this unconditional love first for each other in our own church and our own family of God but then also for others Lord that we would show them the unbelievable love of your son that would compel them to confess your name and come to salvation in you as well And Lord, in all this, as we imitate you and give you honor, may you be glorified above all things in Jesus' name.